Meet other like-minded musicians who share the same passion as you, the future teachers, promoters, or music therapists. Applications open. Apply now. Study at the Academy of Music and Sound. You're listening to the Off The Record podcast with me, Kat, and my fantastic co-host, Verity, as we chat to some incredible people working in the Scottish music industry. And what a lineup we have for you today, because we don't just have one guest, we don't have two guests, we have three incredible guests as we chat women working in music journalism. We have Hannah Boyle of Goldflake Paint, we have Chelsea Ness of Music Files, and the fantastic Joe Darji as well. I didn't get to sit in on this chat because there wasn't enough room in the squad cast. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not upset, I promise. I'm okay because I've been able to listen to it and it is great chat. Verity, mm-hmm. tell us what we're talking about in part one. Okay, so in part one, we're chatting to Chelsea, Hannah and Joe, all about working as a woman in journalism, the ups, the downs, <laughs> um, sort of the community that exists within women working in journalism in Scotland, their experiences of working in sort of like a male-dominated industry. Um, yeah, they give some really great advice. Um, and, you know, there's obviously, there's a long way to go, but obviously things have improved. So it was really great hearing their, like, perspective on things. And they all do, like, amazing work. So stay tuned to listen to some great advice and some great stories from their work. So I'm a freelance uh, writer. I offer services in journalism, copywriting, social media marketing and digital PR. Uh, I've been freelance for around a year now and I also co-own and run a Perth-based recording studio, uh, The Velvet Lounge and Studio, which is a really cool project. Um, As far as writing goes and music journalism, it's kind of something I've been doing for a few years now and I've always worked within well for most of the time I've worked within electronic music covering clubs and that kind of side of things and lots of big festivals Um, I was a former intern for Ibiza Spotlight and I got to live over there writing about the culture which was just insane the parties everything it was amazing Um, since then I've written for places like Pollen UK which is a big kind of clubs festival platform Uh, Fabric in London uh, oh gosh, One Foot in the Rave, Snack Mag, lots of these different publications and platforms, which is really cool. Nice one. Uh, Chelsea, do you want to go next? And um, make sure to put your name in your answer as well. Yeah, of course. So hi guys, my name is Chelsea Ness and I run the Music Files blog. Um, mm-hmm. I started this blog a couple a year ago actually, so it's a year in January. Um, and it was just kind of, I'd done a few um, journalism kind of projects on the side and thing and then I decided after a while that I wanted to do my own thing so we basically review like the local upcoming bands from uh, Scotland, England, just really the UK. Um, We've also had a few uh, people from Canada and stuff writing for us it's a bit random but it's it's great just to have such a a good community um, like Mm -hmm. that so my um, full-time job is I work for I actually work for the Scottish Government in Transport Scotland so it's completely different to actually doing journalism or anything but I'm really really enjoy it doing doing it on the side and everything yeah amazing uh Hannah what about you uh hi everyone I'm Hannah Boyle uh I've worked for GFP which is Goldflake Paint since we made the shift from online to print around two years ago 
Um, my title is commissioning editor. It took us a while to come up with a title because I kind of do a bit of everything. Um, lots of different pieces, mostly to support Tom, who's the founder. And he's basically done the entire project himself over the last eight years with help from our other editor, Sammy Main. She's brilliant too. Um, so my role is to curate and support the writing team and our designers through the whole process, from everything from planning content to distribution. Um, so on the side, or my full-time job, which takes up most of my life, is I work in social care. So I'm a support worker for vulnerable homeless women. So it's quite different, mm -hmm. but... Um, I definitely like my passion is to help people through their stories, which I feel like ties into both of my roles, I guess. Yeah, totally. Um, do you guys want to tell me a bit about like why you wanted to get into uh, music journal journalism and like who inspired you to do it? To be honest, mine's just by accident. Um, I started through like a uh, promotions, it was like a wee promotions group that was going on when I was at college and they were just kind of like, uh, like oh we could like work with you what could you do like obviously you're not going to be like they were based somewhere else where I'm in Fife nobody's in your Fife are they uh, and they were like what could you do kind of remotely and they were like what about a blog you know what I mean you could promote the artists that we work with and kind of like do some interviews with them because they're all local based and that was just how it started from there really and then from there I started to work with other blogs that were kind of more specific just to uh, journalism and it just kind of grew from there really but I came from like a music industry background anyway so it all tied in really nicely. Uh, Hannah, what about you? Um, so I guess I wasn't really, my, t my intention wasn't really to go into music journalism. Um, I studied English literature with journalism and creative writing at uni and was always like really inspired by high quality curated publications. Um, and like I said before, um, ones that just contain people's stories um, alongside like really beautiful visuals. So I feel like that's why the magazine's so important. Um, I lived in Canada for a while a few years ago and I was an editorial assistant for a literary journal so quite different but it really inspired me to branch out into publishing which was what I wanted to do full time. I dabbled a little bit with my own mini projects and zines before I met Tom and then when we met uh, I wanted to pursue publishing full time and he had the idea of turning Goldflake Paint into a magazine from a blog so it just all started from there I guess um, and obviously I love music so <laughs> it just felt like a really nice fit. Uh, Chelsea, what inspired you to get involved in music journalism? I've always been a fan of music, just as long as I can remember. Um, my householders, my mum and dad are very um, big music fans. I've grew up listening to like the classics like The Jam, The Clash and uh, David Bowie and everything. So when I got a bit old enough to start going to gigs and things, that's how I spent my spare time. It, it's still how I spend my spare, spare time now, obviously, um, with after the... Uh, Covid and everything's over. It'd be great. Can't wait to get back into the gigs and everything. But um, I just felt that after going to see local bands and stuff, that I wanted to promote them as much as I could. But I just had no platform, or none of my friends were really into that kind of thing. So um, I managed to get a kind of my first writing slot um, with another blog, um, and I spent a few years helping manage the blog and um, going to different gigs and interviewing, doing podcasts and things and. Um, it was all getting a wee bit too much uh, with my my full-time job so I, I moved away from it for a wee bit and after a few months I just realised how much I missed it um, so that's when I started um, going to write my well that's how the music files started it was um, only going to be just something that I was going to do as a, in my spare time and only when and if I, I did have the time but it took off quite quickly um, 
and we've now actually, like I mentioned before, we've now got other volunteers that write for it too. So um, I think it's really just the fact that when, after you go to a gig and it's that excitement after the gig and you just can't wait to tell everyone about a band. And mm, Totally. Would you guys agree with that, like sort of the heart of why you do what you do is because you're just like so excited about like a band or an artist and you're just like, everyone needs to know about this. <laughs> I mean, for me, that was why I started specialising in electronic music. So I started off, like I said, with the promotions and that. And it was just whatever was on at the time. And it was a lot of kind of, like, I was studying in Edinburgh and that. So it was a lot of, like, your indie bands and stuff. And they were amazing. I loved them to bits. But I was kind of picking up quickly. I was like, here, I was like, you could have, like, a band that's playing their first ever gig. And, like, they can almost sell out, like, a small venue. Like, they'll get lots of hype. They'll get lots of blog coverage and local sort of platforms. Mm -hmm. But I was like, how come you kind of get that quite same momentum at that early stage for a DJ and I was like so that's why I kind of started to specialise in that side of things so I just got excited about all the like amazing like electronic talent that was going around Scotland at that time. Yeah totally yeah would you say the same Hannah? Yeah definitely I think for me um, I, I want to write about music and I want to work with people who write about music that they love and that does excite them and you know I think that there's definitely a space for music critiquing and you know um sort of ratings and stuff but I think that like what we what we want to do and what we want to champion is the things that we enjoy um so I definitely do mm -hmm. get that feeling a lot and won't write about something mm -hmm. unless it, you know it gives me that kind of um fire <laughs> as cheesy as it is so yeah the industry I suppose the music industry is like a pretty male dominated dominated space right um so in your experience like how well um, do you think like women music journalists are represented in the media? I would say there's definitely not enough of us, but it's changing, albeit slowly. Um, and I think that now, in my experience, people are actively looking to platform other voices, ones that aren't necessarily platformed um, or haven't been platformed in the past, marginalised voices and people that aren't heard. And I think it's just... It is changing, but it's it's not fast enough. Um, I know that we we um, as Goldflake Paint have partnered with Key Change, so that essentially means that we guarantee every issue will have a fifty fifty gender split across our whole team, um, which is something that's really important to us. Although even from the get go, we've had like pretty much a predominantly female team, which is something that we're kind of proud of, um, but we're still obviously trying to do better. Uh, Joe, would you say that's your experience as well? or Yeah, it's kind of a funny one, to be honest. Like, I think there absolutely is room for improvement and, you know, there... Um, but if, if we're not to, like, dwell on the kind of... that part of it, I think one of the good things I do notice is that the women that are in music journalism, there is such a good, almost, like, community there. Like, you can tell, like, through Twitter and stuff, they've all kind of got each other's backs and it's the same, like folk supporting and I do think that's like a really nice thing to come out of it but there could there is definitely room for improvement more so at the higher up you go mm -hmm. the higher up you go to the more kind of different levels like kind of more manage management editorial etc there definitely is a much kind of needed sort of diversity up there um but I've been really fortunate actually in that whenever I've worked in a lot of teams and stuff we have been pretty well divided but yeah, I think on a kind of larger scale, there absolutely is room for improvement and to get more female voices out there. 
Mm -hmm. Chelsea, would you agree with that, that there is quite like a good community there that exists of like women journalists um, in Scotland? Yeah, definitely. It's funny, I was just speaking to Hannah before we started this um, and we were talking about the amount of people that we've we've met online, like through Twitter or um, with social media to do with music and to do with journalism. And it's incredible the amount of people that we would classify as friends that we probably haven't met face to face. Um, and I would say that there's such a supportive community, especially on Twitter, like Joel was saying. Um, a lot of, when I first started, um, my blog had new um, previous people from different other projects and everyone was so supportive and helping even just like retweeting or sharing um, the articles and stuff like that. And because a lot of blogs, um, especially like in the, the smaller music scene, they do that voluntary, they, they do it for free. So word of mouth is how really like we get we get our name about and everything. And the bigger that we are, then the more exposure it gets for bands and artists and things. So I think it's, you can definitely say that, yes, um, more needs to be done um, for female journalisms and to get women out there more. But I do feel that the community and the support is definitely there. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned sort of like Twitter and sort of the community that exists there. How have you guys like used the internet and like Instagram and socials and stuff to break through those kind of like barriers, do you think? I'm um, actually part of a girl group on Twitter. Um, it's just like a it's just a, like a group chat. Um, and I've, again, I've only met maybe one or two out of the 20 girls that are on it, but they're all to do with either music journalism or they're in bands and I find that really supportive and if there's anything um I feel it's good actually because we're we're able to help each other out in the way that if um one of the girls is having an issue or a problem or anything then they might mention it in the group chat then there's always um someone that's maybe had more experience that will be able to help out in terms of the industry. Would you say that's your experience as well Joel? Yeah it's definitely kind of it's such a huge networking tool Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, that's kind of definitely what I've used to my advantage when I think about, like, especially for kind of like work and work leads and like you said, building communications and stuff and the people you meet through it, like, it's just insane. And there are people that, again, like Chelsea said, support you and promote your work. Like, there's girls that I know, like, on Twitter now, I'm like, I, don't even, I haven't even read your article, but I can, it's good. I have to repeat that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that is getting shared because I can, you're putting like so much effort into it. So let's just get it done. And that's how you grow and that's how you get out there and like um from like even like for like meeting clients and stuff and potential places to write for like it makes such a better impression to go um to approach a magazine after you've actually actively followed them and engaged with them and took interest in their platform you know you've been responding to what they've posted shared it and you know you just you've been engaging with what they do and then when you contact them about writing and maybe pitch yourself forward they're definitely going to reciprocate that much better. Definitely. Um, Hannah, do you feel that way as well? Like, have you found like good communities and like Instagram and Twitter that, especially in your Gold Flake paint, like sphere? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, especially not coming from a music background, um, I've found a really amazing community online. And especially mm -hmm. with the Glasgow music scene, um, a lot of writers, a lot of artists, um, and I think we just have each other's backs, just like Joe was saying, like we champion each other, um, specifically the women, 
we you know we we share each other's work we build each other up which is really nice and it's it's a really safe space to be um and I, I think that you know the music industry and journalism and stuff that that can be quite intimidating for someone who's just coming in and and hasn't really worked in this line of work before so I felt supported in a way which was which was really nice and I've made some friends for life which I love <laughs> oh that's amazing yeah actually I kind of wanted to pick up on something that I think it was Joe was saying um you know that way of using like socials to like follow the magazines you want to write for and then properly engage with them um do you think ah, journalism is such a hard like feel to break into sometimes so do you guys feel like that you've sort of had to make your own opportunities in a way um to like write about the stuff you want to write for if that makes sense yeah I guess in a way I mean I've not I've not started up my own platform as such but I think you know nine times out of ten if I get like in a commission or get put onto a writing roster it's because I've put myself out there and I've gone up to that platform and been like here's what I can do blah 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 at the end of the day I might not be the best writer they've got but I'm the one that's came forward mm-hmm. yeah and I think that's so important you do have to put yourself out there it's it's, it's scary <laughs> and, it's, mm-hmm. and it's not nice when you get a no but um you have to create those opportunities for you because nine times out of ten they don't come looking for you you have to put yourself in front of their eyes so that mm-hmm. they can see what you're about and what you can offer yeah totally I guess Chelsea you sort of started your own like music files blog would you say that was your way of sort of like putting yourself out there and making your own opportunities yeah um 100% I think when I was writing for previous blogs and stuff um I felt because I was writing for someone else that I might not have had enough time to have done articles for deadlines and stuff so when I started my own blog I felt that this platform was the music that I wanted to share or the bands I wanted to promote and it was also a way of me being able to do it in my own time um I was, mm-hmm. it's funny actually it was when I was at um, the Resonate Festival a couple of years ago I remember watching a, um, a guest speaker and he was saying that the because I actually asked him I was like how, how do you get into music journalism how how are you where you're at just now um, and mm-hmm. he turned around and he was like, well, you have to make make your own luck. You have to put in the effort yourself. He's like a mad vice. He's like, I would just do like create your own blog and just go from there. Um, and it was never a, like my ambition when I made the blog for me to be like, right, I'm going to do this and this will end up being like my full-time job or anything. It was really just that I had a platform that I could promote music um, as much as possible. And then when it did take off, I, like, a few months into the into me um, creating it, that's when I, I put an ad out about volunteer writers and stuff. Um, and I think that I've made it clear from the start as well, especially when we started writing for it, like the blog, that it's on your own time and it's the bands that you want to promote make that a platform because even music that maybe I, I wouldn't listen to doesn't mean that other viewers of the website wouldn't. Um, and I think that's what was really important was to have that sort of platform um, that, that covered just such a huge base of local bands. Um, Hannah, would you say that as well, especially in music journalism, do you think you kind of have to make your own opportunities? Yeah, I think so. I think when I first started writing, I had this, I put a lot of pressure on myself to be like, I have to have a portfolio of work that I can take to, I can take and like almost prove myself. Um, and I think I was really lucky in the sense that I found a really supportive team 
and that's a big part of it like Chelsea's saying like you've got all your volunteers and you're you know they're your friends and stuff and I think that's kind of what helped me thrive just having a team and having the creative uh, freedom to just write about what I really cared about and loved and enjoyed um but I think yeah I think I, I I've just been really lucky with that You're listening to the Off The Record podcast. Don't forget to get in touch, okay? We are on Instagram. Just search for at OTR Scott. Same on Twitter. You can always head to our website as well. And obviously, don't forget to subscribe. I am really enjoying this chat because... And I, I really get what some of them are saying because I don't even sometimes... Like, I just know sometimes who it is and I'm like, retweet, heart react. Yep. Love this. Like, 100%. every time we like, yep, heart Yep, okay, I'll retweet that from Joe. Oh, that's what I had. It's like, we would do that. We do that with everyone. And I think that is because we know how important it is to support other women's voices, particularly in this industry. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah, and it's just so nice that that like, community exists online because from what the uh, girls were saying, they were just like, yeah, I've literally not met some of the people that I've spoken to for years online. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> but like, I literally like never met them in person, but I'm just like, love all their work. <laughs> and they just have like, obviously, <laughs> they have this huge thing in common. So they're just like been chatting online for years. But, you know, I've yet to meet IRL, but the support is still there. The love is still there. <laughs> it's kind of crazy when that happens because people might not realize that we haven't met, you know, and no, it's oh amazing God. that, yeah, we haven't met. <laughs> we haven't <laughs> met at all. Um, yeah. But you can build up such a rapport with someone when you do things like this, like Chelsea Ness, for example. I haven't met Chelsea before, but we built up such like a good friendship. I love her work. I love what she's doing. And the first time we spoke was on a podcast. And we're like, well, this is the first time we've ever spoken to each other. And the amount of times I've said that in the last year blows my mind. But you feel like you know each other. Like, it's so bizarre. I feel like I know you really well from everything we've been doing. And I'm just kind of like, it, I love that about the online community and for us kind of working in the industry like that. I think it's just really, really cool. Definitely. Um, so yeah, coming up in part two, we've got a lot more chat about um, some good advice on whether you should have any. Should you just stick to, you know, pop punk? Should you just stick to dance music? Or can you spread your wings and still, you know, do really fun exciting work and still get really cool opportunities um and there's some really good advice on interview tips and yeah just some really good advice on getting started in journalism because i feel like a lot of people think that you need to have like this journalism degree you need to be like amazing all these different things but everyone has their own journeys and especially with these three women they all had their different ways of getting started so yeah tune in for more great chat from these girls So yeah, I'm kind of interested to talk a wee bit about uh, style and like, are you guys open to loads of different music genres or do you think it's better to have uh, like a niche? Like I only want to write about pop punk or indie or whatever or dance music. Do you think it's good to have a niche to help you stand out? Yeah, yeah. So I obviously have like my kind of specialist, specialism is electronic and kind of dance music club culture. Um, but I originally didn't start in that. I did just start out covering bands and anything really. 
Um, for me, it's a really personal choice because it's just that type of music I'm so passionate about and I love. And like I said, it came from wanting to support that scene extra in Scotland itself. Um, for me personally, a niche is important because I also offer other services. So that becomes my USP essentially because I can specialise in those industries for the more digital kind of market side of things as well as a freelancer. Um, but it's not essential, I think. What's more essential is having your own just personal tone and kind of your own, just putting your own kind of stamp on how you write and how you present it. And yeah, I think that that's more important. It's not necessarily make or break, it's whatever you can feel comfortable about. I mean, I still do like interviews and reviews, et cetera, of maybe some other kind of, of different genres. This year we've had, I covered, I think, done Katie Hunt style and like ghost float and that. And it's quite nice, actually. It's almost like refreshing every game to do something that's not kind of, that's a wee bit out your norm. Um, but it's not essential, I don't think. What do you think, Hannah? Yeah, I would agree. I think that Gold Flight Paint was really known for like sad songs, <laughs> like indie music. But we pretty much cover everything now and we're trying really hard to do that. But like, just like I've said, we just want to cover music that we really care about. Um, and if even if we don't like it, if someone pitches us something and they're so passionate about it, you know, we're going to be convinced we're going to want to platform that because it's just about, you know, whatever makes you feel something, I guess. I think over the last year, especially, we've been trying to cover more genres and not pigeonhole ourselves because, you know, if you're a small team, you kind of you kind of fall into that and it's the same same kind of voice coming through. So we're trying to always like... Um, you know stay open and and be like challenged on on artists and and you know give them give them a place because I think it's it's just really important I don't think we're there yet I don't think we cover you know everyone and I think that we we're getting there and I think with that it's like just having different again just going back to those different voices and and just having different different people and different identities covering covering music that they care about. Chelsea, do you think it's important to have a niche or do you think you should be open to anything as a music journalist? I think it's a, a personal opinion. It depends on um, what what your passion is and what specific genre you have a passion about. Like, I'm, my favourite genre is, like, the cliche, like, indie rock. Like, I love um, Cartiners, Arctic Monkeys, Kasabian, all, all those big bands. Um, but I also have such a love for like rock music um, and I think as well it's funny because before I started the blog I would only listen to that one like genre and I, I was really like stubborn about listening to anything else and then when I started the blog because we had so many uh, different uh, volunteers with who had, had different um, like loves for different music that kind of opened my eyes more um, and we get quite we get a lot of emails um, a week like for requests and when I'm going through the emails trying to select like what's what who we're going to feature next it's actually helped me discover so much more and so many new genres that I actually love and I think that that's what what's great about it is the fact that although you might be starting I, when I first started it it was just going to be another indie music blog but the more you expand and the more uh, bands that contact you, you feel that, do you know what, like if, even if like Hannah said, even if like you don't particularly like it, you know that someone definitely will. Yeah, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit as well about, uh, so I'm going beyond like the written word and sort of talking about going into other ways of talking about and writing about or 
you know, putting content out about music. So have you guys ever sort of experimented with using like, <clears throat> sorry, I lost my voice there, uh, like podcasting or video or audio? Do you think those are sort of like good skill sets to have as like a music journalism to branch out beyond just writing? Yeah, I definitely agree. We um, we actually started during the pandemic, we started a, a podcast um, within the music blog and we felt that because obviously everyone was during lockdown everyone was like stuck in the house obviously podcasts are like are going up more um whereas I think normally people would maybe click on articles and just skim read them whereas now people are wanting to listen to new things and especially when people are going out and walking and things like that they want to to have a podcast in and listen to what people have to say um so we started that um it must have been last, last April May time um and we we absolutely loved it there was a few we had a few band guests come in and things but we also just done one with our um with our writers and it was great just being mm-hmm. able to get to know the writers more and make allow them to actually show off their personality more not just through their writing but through their thoughts and their opinions um through a podcast so yeah definitely i agree that um adding more than just like a an article or writing you definitely it's great to be able to expand more mm-hmm, for sure what do you think Anna? Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm actually still in the process of trying to convince Tom to do a Go Flight Paint podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. it's yeah, it's something we really want to do. Um, I think we don't have much, as a magazine now, we don't have much experience or in, or anything in like digital platforms and stuff. Obviously, we're on social media and we use that a lot. But we, I guess in the magazine, we try and find different ways to tell people's stories. Um so maybe through like visuals or through, we had like um, Keaton Henson did some illustrating illustrations for his songs for his new album, which was really nice. But we're just trying to find different ways rather than just, you know, having it all be in word, you know, having it all be written down in text and can be quite jarring sometimes, especially if you've got a huge magazine and there's lots of different stories and maybe you don't know where to start. So um, I think definitely though, the podcast thing is something we're going to explore in the future hopefully. <laughs> what about you, Joe? Do you think it's important to try and expand your skills beyond just writing? Yeah, absolutely. Like if you can uh, approach like a platform or like somebody to collaborate with and you've got skills in audio, uh, like podcast editing, etc., it's definitely a huge helping hand. The more upskilling and the more multi sort of skills you can present yourself, whatever that is, it's always going to be beneficial. Um, however, I'm a total hypocrite for saying that, hey, because I'm actually quite behind on the whole podcast thing. I only got into podcasts this year, like listening to them. I've got to say, though, this was one of the series that did get me started in it. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm quite behind on the podcast thing, but I do think it's, I think it's really good. I think it's really powerful. And I think there's a new kind of thing going around the moment. I think it was, was who was it that published it? Oh, gosh. Rolling Stone or NME, one of these big platforms that said that TikTok could be the new kind of music journalism um, kind of tool that comes around, which was a really interesting mm. read. And it was basically because of the fact that like, obviously kind of people's tracks and stuff get picked up. But I think people are starting to look kind of beyond the traditional written form now and how you can get music out there because consumer brains these days just don't have the same attention and you've got to kind of, you've got to keep adapting and coming up with new creative ideas, whether that's a different type of file format like going on to podcast going on to audio or whether that's how you write it yourself and how you kind of maybe change up the structure a little bit of an article to make it slightly more interesting or a different perspective um but yeah 
more you can do, the better. Mm. Yeah, either of you sort of got on the TikTok uh, train <laughs> when it comes to like music journalism stuff. I feel like I'm addicted to it. <laughs> I've still not got a TikTok account and I don't know how I've lasted this long, but my <laughs> sister is actually obsessed with it. So I'm trying my hardest not to get one because I know I would <laughs> just be on it 24-7. Oh my God, it's so addictive. It's insane. <laughs> but yeah, it's crazy. The kids that are on there like are like proper, they have like proper like music journalists and they're like 12 I'm like what the hell (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, I kind of wanted to talk also a little bit about like sort of freelancing when it comes to music journalism and kind of what's your guys's experience with that and like what are things you wish you knew uh before going into being freelance um I'll start with Chelsea I'm going to be completely honest I've never actually done any like a lot of freelance work um so I'm probably not the best person to start off with but I do think that because like journalism is so difficult to get into and like anyway so a lot I know I understand a lot of people do go into the freelance and and don't get me wrong like I've heard so many people that have went in after doing a full-time job and going into doing freelance and in their own kind of hours and they've absolutely adored it and they've loved it I wish I had the confidence to do that, but I feel that I'd like to build up my portfolio a wee bit more to, before I even consider that. Um, but it's definitely a, a success for a lot of people that I've heard that have went on to do it. Yeah, Joe, what's your experience with freelancing? <laughs> it was a very spot of the moment decision that we're still in now. <laughs> um, okay. I think I found it really interesting because I, um, you know, I kind of I went straight from college. Um, into work over in Ibiza and I had like the full-time job there it was great I was doing my dream job clubs writer amazing and then I came home and I was like oh my gosh what do I do now and I was like, oh no and then like I was kind of like I had all these kind of like projects kind of going on there was opportunity here like oh, we'd be interested in working with you but like not in a full kind of term sense so freelance just made sense it was like you could put it all under one bubble and at that time as well I'd been doing training in the digital side of things as well like social media copywriting so for me it just kind of was like a good way of organizing it However, it did mean that I went into it with absolutely zero preparation, zero understanding of what it was, and it was very much just hit the ground running and learn as you go. So Mm -hmm. this entire year has been a massive learning curve on Mm -hmm. how you do books, how you contact clients, kind of contracts, um, etc. But the first thing I did pick up very quickly was it was going to take a while to, if you or if ever, to build a sustainable kind of livable income from journalism alone so I think I really do emphasize if you can get those extra skills in there that's going to do you so well if you can offer a couple other services that can still link in with journalism you know it comes with so many transferable skills but for me freelancing that was a huge part in building sort of security and sustainability in what I was doing. Hannah would you agree with that? Yeah especially especially the bit Joe said about you know building a sustainable income I was never fully freelance I worked I dabbled in like retail and hospitality a lot and I think that that the biggest challenge for me was like finding steady work I actually stopped freelancing because it was just too mentally draining for me I was saying to Chelsea before like I had to switch my career around to like find structure and find routine because you know my mental health was poor and I was just struggling with the lack of it um Mm. but I don't feel like that's something that you have to do. Like Joe's saying, you, you can do it. It's possible. Um, but you just, you know, some people are made for it, some people are not. I'm not made for full time. 
Um, but it means that I get to, I get to do it. I've got more, I think I've got more freedom because it's not my main, my main income. And, you know, I can play around with it a bit more and I can take maybe more risks in what I do than what I would if that was like my solo gig. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, do you guys have any tips for people who are maybe wanting to go freelance? I think just really learn learn the boring bits, put time into like understand the finance, understand the contracts and kind of set your own business kind of rules. Like when you go to like uh into like full-time work or like every to that, you know, there's set hours and there's set boundaries, you know, you're you're not if you're maybe working in the office Monday to Friday, they, you don't get contact at the weekend. Set those boundaries because just mm-hmm. because you're freelance, it doesn't mean you're on call 24-7. And if you don't establish those boundaries quickly, it can be really draining. It can be really challenging. Like Hannah said, you know, it can take a massive toll on your mental health. It really can. So mm-hmm. set your boundaries and kind of create a little business structure for yourself to try and combat that. And just, like I said, try and get as much kind of knowledge and understanding of it maybe before you kind of take the full leap. Mm -hmm, definitely um what do you guys think like what does being a music journalist entail that some people might not think about when they immediately think oh music journalist I don't know if this is right but I would maybe say like not a lot of opportunities um Mm -hmm. or opportunities that maybe everyone you know or people that you're close with are fighting for um because I guess I didn't expect to get steady work but I thought that it would be easier to f- maybe find potential work. Yeah, there's sort of the the insecurity of it. I guess people just think it's like the super glamorous job where you're just like, oh, I'm just going to go to this gig. I'll go backstage. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then reality, it's a lot of admin, a lot of admin. And yeah, just like Joe's saying, like a lot of you learn how to value your time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Chelsea, what do you think are some misconceptions about being a music journalist? Yeah, I would agree with the whole um, just going to gigs and things. I'm a nightmare for planning like three or four gigs a week and then I go and see all the gigs and then I've got like three or four articles to write by the like the following week. And I always tell myself that, oh, it'll be fine, I'll, I'll manage to get them all done. And then the following week I've then maybe got another couple of gigs and it's just getting mm-hmm. to the point where I feel that you need to have a bit of structure and a bit of planning and that was something that I just had I just went in and didn't have a clue what I was doing I was just loving the fact I got to go to all these gigs and not actually realizing well obviously I need to actually write about them and things so that was something that um, I think from the the start was a bit like oh there's actually quite a lot of work in, involved um, I'd also say as well when um, you're emailing to get maybe a certain feature and stuff like that like you probably will get a lot of emails or people that just won't reply back to emails and things like that um I think that's all part of the job as well when you first start out um and you have to obviously try and build your maybe your portfolio a wee bit more and stuff like but but what I would say is don't be afraid to try and contact like the bigger bands and things because you will be surprised who does reply back yeah Joe what do you think uh like people wouldn't immediately think of when they think of music journalists what are sort of things people don't see behind the scenes um I can definitely jump on the whole kind of like it looks really glamorous and like well not glamorous that's the wrong word but like kind of well I don't want to say it's fun because it is fun but like you know like you're at gigs at festivals and everything like this um and it can look at that's kind of not all you do but it, it the reality is it is backed up with a lot of admin 
And I think mm-hmm. as well, like, for, well, for me, especially coming from the electronic side of things, very unsociable hours. <laughs> like, you're staying compass mentis sober from about 12 at night till about six in the morning to have it mm-hmm. written up for like later on that day. Um, mm-hmm. So it can be really, the, the hours can be quite like, you're kind of balancing an office job for me. Anyway, I'm balancing an office job with like a nightlife kind of thing. Well, I mean, I used to before COVID, that's a different story. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think, it, it, I don't think people realise how kind of like, you know, just how the volume of work that goes into it that just comes to this one, all they see is that one link, you know, mm-hmm. or that kind of three minute read article or whatever, how many minutes, whatever. Um, so yeah, just look at maybe the kind of stuff that goes on behind it. Um, and it, you spend a lot of time alone, you know, essentially you're sitting kind of, you know, right now, especially with everyone working at home, you're spending a lot of time by yourself just sitting writing and, you know, you're communicating a lot through email rather than sort of face to face. And like um, staff writing these days is not quite as common. So, you know, you're not sitting in offices of teams, so it can be quite a can be quite lonely job sometimes as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you sort of mentioned there about like how you do obviously you balance your nine to five, and then you're doing these really, you know, covering the, a lot of nightlife and stuff like that. So it's like super unsociable hours. How would you? What would advice would you give for like interview tips? And how how do you guys generally prep before you're about to cover something? What tips would you give for that? I would say don't just listen to the album like obviously that's a huge thing but you know do your research get to know who you're writing about um read old interviews prep your questions but also like let the conversation flow naturally don't get too stuck Mm -hmm. in your head you know um I'm I'm so bad at that I get stuck in my head all the time um but yeah just, (laughs) just let it flow let it flow and and have faith in yourself I would say definitely I've gone into interviews and I've been so rigid and and stuck on I need to get this answer and you're planning you're planning what the piece will look like before it's actually the the interview's even taken place when actually I've found if I just let it let go a little bit then the piece will write itself through the conversation that we naturally have. Chelsea how do you get the most out of a piece do you think? Yeah, I would definitely agree with Hannah with the research and um, I think as well because there's so many blogs out there at the moment, it's good to try and maybe look at similar interviews that they've done at the same week or something. So if you're interviewing a particular band and they maybe done three or four interviews that week, have a look at the interviews because you obviously don't want to be asking the, the same questions. Plus, it's good to try and obviously figure out some questions that are personal to the band in terms of specifically to their music or what they've been up to and things you can it's so easy to just use some like general questions that they've probably heard so many times so I think we try like we try so hard to do a a lot of research before when we do interview them just so that the band are having a little like a, a different interview and they're having more time to actually express themselves rather than just repeating the answers that they've already answered previously. Yeah, Joe. what's your experience with uh, interview tips and trying to make, get the most out of a piece? Yeah, I think I would definitely reiterate both Hannah and Chelsea's points of like research. Like that really is so important. Um, I'm, I can definitely relate to what Hannah was saying as well about how uh, you can kind of get in that kind of trap of feeling quite rigid and you kind of got your questions and you're just thinking about the answer. And it is like, you know, it comes with the best intentions. It does, you know, you're sitting there thinking like, I want, th- I want this to be amazing, you've got it thought out, but you should definitely try and go more with the flow with it. But um, something that's quite useful for that, I've found, is if you can maybe, instead of doing sort of exact questions, you can even do kind of just bullet point topic areas so that if you do go mind blank in that moment, 
you've got something to kind of bring you back on track, but it's not necessarily reading sort of robotically off a sheet. That can be kind of helpful sometimes. Um, or even I try to always start off like kind of make your interview kind of go like a little a hill almost. I, I wish I was on camera because we have got to do my hand here, like kind of really take you. <laughs> but like start off with some kind of easier, friendly questions, then go into the harder, sort of deeper maybe stuff, and then kind of end it on that kind of maybe a couple fun questions or something kind of uplifting, like leaving it on a, a good note. Because again, that that kind of last few paragraphs or whatever is going to be what your reader leaves on. So. Yeah, that would be my kind of tips for that anyway. I kind of want to sort of round things off with maybe like what advice would you give to someone who wants to get started in music journalism? And what do you wish someone had told you before you started going down this music journalism journey? (laughs) I'd say just do it. Put yourself out there and do it. Find a platform, approach them, get yourself out there. Just do it you've got to start somewhere everyone started somewhere if you don't start you'll never get anywhere mm-hmm. do you know what I mean um and I guess something I wish I'd known it's all right to say no to an article <laughs> do you know what I mean you're not um you know you're not kind of you can you can say no to some projects and things if you're not okay for you and you can you're not necessarily fully obliged and Grammarly's wonderful <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah what do you mean by saying no to something like if you feel like you're not the right person to cover it or you're just you doesn't sit right with you yeah just kind of maybe know in terms of uh well more so from a freelance perspective I know I, I can sometimes be asked to like you know I, it's a it's a whole topic in itself but sometimes you can you can do a lot of free work and things and I don't have an issue with it at all you know done it it's part of like it's what fills up my what filled up my cv to get me certain opportunities but sometimes I need to know where to draw the line of yeah, okay, that's a great opportunity, but also you've got a lot on already. You know, you could do with, mm-hmm. instead of having a couple hours of an article, you could do with having a couple hours to maybe take a break. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of, that kind of like work-life balance. Like it's okay to say no to some things to take a little step back and time for yourself. Yeah, definitely. What about, what about you two? What tips would you give someone who wants to get started in journalism? And I think just the importance of like what we were talking about earlier, finding that community and just, you know, finding like-minded people who can help you. And I think that's the biggest thing for me was asking for help and not being scared to, you know. There's so, it's such an intimidating thing going freelance or starting out doing something that you that you really want to do. And I think there's lots of lovely people that I've met um, that will help you. They'll give you advice. They'll, they'll give you tips on how to get started or where to go or where to pitch or how to pitch. And just don't be scared to ask for that. Um, that's definitely what I've learned and what I knew before instead of trying to do it all on my own and then, you know, feeling isolated and feeling like I wasn't part of a community. What about you, Chelsea? Yeah, I totally agree with what Hannah's saying about the community, um, especially in social media and everything. There's so many approachable people out there that if anyone is looking to get into music journalism or just to do it like on the side, I think the scariest part of that is actually just starting. Um, I know for myself when I I've always wanted to do some writing for a blog but I was just too scared to apply because I had absolutely no experience but that really didn't have an impact at all Um, I'm certainly like not a a great writer or anything like that but I'd say because I have a passion for music that reflects in my writing and I would say it would be the same for anyone Um, so just don't be afraid to to go for it and to 
to email like other blogs that are going through um that they're maybe looking for writers or don't be afraid to do some volunteer work at the start but um it's also important to remember that if there are jobs that should be getting paid for that you also make sure you are getting paid for it make sure you get paid for your work yes. <laughs> it's so hard i think that's such a such a scary thing for someone when they first start out is um you know asking to they're like stating their fees up front and being like look this is why i want to be paid for this like is an intimidating thing for a lot of people to do when they're first starting out i think yeah especially if you're a freelancer like that's your job that's your main source that is your income so it's funny how people can be afraid to actually ask to get paid for the work but you'd be surprised to probably the amount of companies and businesses that that maybe don't pay unless they get they get told they have to mm, yeah that's definitely a good good tip for people to know or listen to this um but yeah thank you guys so much for coming on the the show i want to finish off by asking like what is your number one gig that you want to go to after this horrible pandemic is over and live music can happen again <laughs> oh my gosh oh i'm a terminal v gal i absolutely love terminal v and it's been postponed for the third time now i think oh, oh, no. one, two, three. it's been po- postponed multiple times so it's now going to be october hopefully we'll see but mm-hmm. terminal v that's my my favorite it's my annual gig every year it's an amazing festival amazing what about you chelsea Oh, I cannot wait for Playground Festival this year. It's got such a huge mix of different artists like Nile Rogers and Sheik are um, headlining on the Sunday. You've got a bit of Underworld on the Friday. I just think that it's such <laughs> a, a huge variety of artists. Um, so that's definitely one festival, if it does go ahead, that I cannot wait to go to. What about you, Hannah? I was due to see Caribou in the sweaty Barrowlands back in April and I was so buzzing <laughs> for it. Um, so if that can happen, definitely that or Big Thief because they always put on a great show. Oh, I love that chat with Chelsea, Joe and Hannah. That was so good and so helpful for so many girls out there who want to get involved in journalism and covering bands. Um, yeah, they just had so much useful advice. I feel like I wish I had listened to this podcast when I started like covering and interviewing bands like Terrified. <laughs> like, um, do you know what I mean? Like, oh my god, I remember once when I first started like doing interviews with bands, I was like outside Sneaky Pete's, like literally like in the pouring rain because Sneaky Pete's does not have a green room, <laughs> and just like with my phone, like talking to these these band members, being like trying to remember the like interview questions I had written down I was just like oh my god um but yeah these girls they know what they're doing obviously not like me at 18. (laughs) (laughs) I know I totally get that one time my friend phoned me up and he was like can you interview this band over the phone for me and I'm like what yeah sure okay it's like 11 o'clock and they're they're drunk just off stage and I'm like yeah okay yeah sure I'll do it and I had no idea what I was asking don't think they knew what I was asking either because they were so drunk (laughs) coming off stage but you just say yes to the opportunity don't you you're like yeah I'll I'll do that that's fine 100% it's it's so interesting kind of that that thought process of do we have a niche or do we just talk about what we love or you know mm. should we try and be open to loads of different music as well and I, and that's when I've always kind of had a bit of a a difficulty with it's kind of like if I was do I only ever want to do things that I love or do I want to talk about what everyone else loves and learn a little bit more that way and I think 
I'm probably leaning towards that more now either that or I would never mm-hmm. have heard so many cool different bands that I might have maybe strayed away from because it's not really for me and then next thing I know mm-hmm. it's on my repeat playlist like that's amazing why would I why would I not want to kind of open my ears up to more than what yeah, I think totally. I like yeah and that's like the best part of doing work like this and working in the music industry is like you're always exposed to new music that you had no idea existed and then becomes like your favorite band or like you're listening to it like on repeat like I do (laughs) when I like (laughs) love a tune I'll literally listen to it on repeat like over and over and over I have like monthly playlists for that reason because I know what I'm like with music I'll just like listen to it on repeat so I'm sick of it and then rediscover it again in like a month and I'm like oh my god (laughs) and then that goes back into your on repeat you're like oh yeah that I forgot about you get back in there (laughs) (laughs) exactly But it is so true what they're saying and this isn't like don't come at me about men okay I'm not out here Mm. attacking men okay but this is this the music industry is a very male-dominated industry and journalism Mm. in general you know it's such a, a difficult thing you know and women have worked really hard to be able to kind of break through these these barriers of what people thought they should be writing about mm-hmm. and you know yeah. I think it's it's amazing like what they were talking about how far we've come but it's so true there's still a lot we need to do and it's not just for women it's for everyone everyone should be able to write about what they want to do or be journalists in whatever way they want to be a journalist so yeah hopefully if we keep having more conversations like this that Mm -hmm. changes will still happen yeah 100 percent um and also it's kind of interesting seeing obviously we had the me too movement in film but it is kind of interesting seeing that sort of happen within the music industry and Mm -hmm. these conversations need to be had because like changes need to be made um so yeah it was sort of interesting hearing their experiences from that and you know it shouldn't be insane that you know a a woman wants to cover a band or work in the music industry without you know certain things happening do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and kind of on that point as well you know go and look up some really cool like old school female music journalists you know hear their stories hear about some of the really sexist stuff that they dealt with and what they pioneered through and they've got some amazing tips on just kind of how to boss that interview without any kind of like gender barriers or whatever okay so go do your research do some homework go listen to some really cool women really cool bands and do whatever you want in terms of music journalism because as the three said it's completely up to you and there's really nothing kind of stopping you from from writing about whatever you want to write about. So on that note, thank you everyone that's been on this series of the Off The Record podcast. We've had so many amazing guests. Uh, it's sad that this is the last episode of this season. I can't season. believe it's the last one. <laughs> I know, R.I.P. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's just absolutely gutted. They're like, what? I can't believe this is the last one. But it doesn't have to be the last one. Come on, get in touch with us. Tell us who should we have on the next series of the Off The Record podcast podcast we are always looking to hear who we should be interviewing because we've had a lot of fun asking people that we know and love to be on this podcast but who do you want to hear on the next series of the off the record podcast so get in touch off the record is produced with support from creative scotland youth music initiative prs foundation in association with youth music the academy of music and sound emu bands and the association of independent music